kind. And we've got our little granddaughter, Zoe, who's two now. And, of course, we're working on being kind to one another and working with her on this idea of having an attitude of gratitude, right? And so we were at the library on Friday morning, and the libraries are so different now than when our kids were little. And now they have this whole playroom filled with toys. And so she was there playing with the trains because she loves trains. But all the train pieces were taken. And so this little boy reached down and got her a train and gave it to her. You know, And she turned to me. She was so happy. And I said, well, what do you say? And she turned to him and she said, thank you. And then I saw her little hand go to his back and give him a nice little rub, right? We can be kind. She's my greatest teacher right now about you know, just being in that moment and being kind to one another. So um, this is what our topic is today. It's all about relationships. But I want to take us back because what we're doing is we are asking ourselves empowering questions from Wendy Craig Purcell's book, Ask Yourself This. And these are all questions that are designed to open our hearts, to expand our mind, and to awaken our soul. And so we began, we're already in week five, but we began in that first week with questions to help us awaken to spiritual growth. And it was all around this idea of remembering that we are first and foremost spiritual beings. We are here in this human body having a human experience, but we are here as spiritual beings first. And so we begin there. We begin to identify as that spiritual being that we are in truth. And then from there, we ask ourselves questions to know ourselves better. So we have this knowing as we come each week of knowing, you know, I am the Christ expressing, I am divine, I am the light of the world. There's the knowing of who we are, and then there's the idea that we hold in mind of who we think we are, and those two ideas don't necessarily align with one another. So we become really aware of who do I think I am in my mind so that I can then grow into integrating who I am in truth, which was week three. How do I grow personally? It's through coming into alignment with who I am and who I think I am that we have all these opportunities to grow. And there are opportunities galore. And then last week, we asked ourselves the questions to help us to build a happier and more meaningful life. And so I had my question that I pulled from the hat last week, which was, um, well, from the bulletin, not the hat, which was, uh, um, who paid the price for me? Which was a fine question, but I threw that one out. So, and I really like the question. The one that resonated with me is, how can I make this fun and easy? So I've been carrying that idea with me into this week, and mostly because it can feel really heavy doing this spiritual work. It can be, sometimes it can feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. I've got to show up and be the light of the world, and it can feel so heavy. So how can I make it fun and easy has been my question this week. Did anybody have that question this week? So did you find out anything? Did you find out anything, Christy? No. <laughs> Barry, did you find out anything? So Barry realized that things were fun and easy for him, but it was the gratitude piece that you picked up midweek. So that's beautiful. So those were all 
how to build a happier and more meaningful life. And this week, we go into questions that are to build deeper, more meaningful relationships, which is actually the key to having a happier, more meaningful life. Because scientific studies now show us that those individuals who have deep and meaningful relationships in their lives also live happier and more meaningful lives. And one thing is absolutely clear, that being here on this earth, we are in relationship. We cannot escape relationship. It begins from the moment we're born, doesn't it? We're in relationship with that one who's taking care of us or that family of origin that we're in. And it continues throughout our entire lifetime. We are constantly in relationship. You cannot escape relationship. It begins with relationship with self, doesn't it? It's how I relate to myself, the ideas that I hold about myself, the relationship that I have with myself. That's where it all begins. And if I can get really clear about my relationship with self, then I can begin to enter into really healthy and wonderful relationships with others. Because otherwise, all I'm doing is projecting onto everybody else You know, those insecurities and those fears and those doubts that I have about myself. So we always begin with self. And then it has to spread out because we are in relationship with each other. Everything is relationship. So when, you, when you're here in this community, we are all in relationship with one another. When you leave this community and drive down the freeway, you are in relationship with all of those people that are driving down the freeway with you, right? And I know that's shocking, right, Diedrich? Oh, my gosh. With everybody. And the world is getting smaller, isn't it? Sometimes I hear that, you know, the world is getting worse, but I'm not sure that that's exactly the case. I think instead we just hear about things much more quickly now. So whereas 100 years ago, if something happened halfway around the globe, we might never have heard about it. Now we hear about it in an instant. So I don't know if things are necessarily getting worse or just because of the way that the complexity of the world is, we just have an opportunity to hear about things much more quickly. We are in relationship with the entire world. So that's where I begin. I begin with this understanding that I can't escape relationship. It would be easy to think I could, right? Like I think about, well, if I could just go sit up on a mountaintop, and sit there and meditate and find my bliss, life would be so good. But then what happens when I come down off of that mountaintop? What happens when that very first person that I meet challenges me and my ideas and my beliefs? Am I able to stay in that place of centeredness? Or do I immediately go off of it? So it's in relationship that we have an opportunity to practice what it is that we say we believe. Here in unity, we have this idea, don't we, that there is oneness. We are all one. How many believe that? We are all one. Right, so pretty much the hands went up. We are all one. And yet, I don't know about you, but I have a except for that happens in my mind, right? So who are my except fors? I... There is only oneness, except if you have different political beliefs than me. There's only oneness, unless you're a different religion than I am. And specifically, where I hold my judgments are if you are in a fundamentalist religion. We are all one, except 
if you have the color of your skin is different than mine, or your sexual orientation is different than mine, or Dan, what do you have? Yeah, so you're saying if we go back far enough, we find out we're all related. But we forget that, don't we? We forget that. So we create in our mind the other. It's just what we do. And with the work that this community has been doing and that I have been doing with Sharif Abdullah, it's all about creating an inclusive community, moving beyond the idea of the other and instead coming to a place of inclusivity. And inclusivity, by the way, does not mean that I like everybody. Inclusivity doesn't mean that I agree with everybody. But inclusivity means that everybody in this world, on this planet, all beings are interconnected. And that when I recognize our interconnectedness, then the way that I live and approach and and respond to life changes, right? And so the foundation of inclusivity is one of Jesus' teachings, and it's the golden rule. Treat others the way I want to be treated. And in fact, that idea of inclusivity, of the golden rule, is found in every single religion. If we are going to create a world that works for all beings, then we begin by taking seriously that golden rule experience, right? And so Jesus, I think, in his teachings, when he was here and offering his, his teachings, it was all around relationship. Yes, he took time to recharge and go up on the mountain and get still and know God, but he never stayed up on that mountaintop. He always came back down, and he related to the people that were around him. And his teachings around relationship are not easy, right? So the the very first commandment, he said, is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. So there's our first relationship, the self and the divine. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. So now love one another. Is there anybody who is not our neighbor? Nobody, right? There is not anybody who is not our neighbor. So you can't say, well, I love this person, but not that person. All our neighbor. And in fact, the other thing that Jesus said was, it's easy to love those that love you. He said, even the tax collectors do that. Right? But it's much harder to love those that do not love you. But he said, pray for those who persecute you, right? Bless those who hate you. Love your enemies. So I always laugh when people say, you know, unity is that feel-good religion. They just pick and choose the pieces out of the Bible that make you feel good. Anybody really working at living these teachings? It's not easy. It's not easy had a conversation with someone this week, and I said, you know, if all we did was take the idea of loving one another and spent the rest of our lives working on that, we would have plenty of work to do, right? Anytime that you hear yourself thinking, well, I'm just not getting spiritually fed, you know, a lot of times that's a, um, 
an opportunity for you to recognize that you're trying to avoid the work that you need to do. Because we are here to love one another. And we do that as we are in relationship with one another. So let's look at some of the questions that we have to be in relationship. And so the first one is, who am I trying to change? This one came to me um, back a few years ago with my husband Gary and my daughters. So I had it in my mind the way that he should show up as their dad. Right? If you just did this, you would get that. If you want to be closer with them, you need to do this. In my mind, I was constantly having this conversation about how he needed to show up differently so that their relationship could be the way I imagined it ought to be. And then one day, as I was sitting with them, I caught it. And I realized that I just needed to accept each one exactly as they were and recognize that as long as I accepted them, that was really all that was my work. So who in your life do you need to show up differently? Who do you think, well, you know, my life would be perfect if only (laughs) them, right? They would fix themselves. Somewhere on somebody's Facebook page a few weeks ago, I saw this, this idea that there is no such thing as unconditional love. How many of you believe in unconditional love? All right, so unconditional love requires that we love unconditionally. Without condition. Accepting each one as they are. And that doesn't mean that each and every one of us doesn't have places where we need to stretch and grow into being more of who we are in truth. But guess what? We all have places that we need to stretch and grow into more than we are in truth. You know, Jesus, one of the other teachings was to remove the log in your own eye, right? Before you remove, to worry about the speck in your brother's. So can I just accept each one in my life exactly as they are and love them from that place without needing anybody to be different? There's one you could spend a whole lifetime on, don't you think? Yeah. How much room do I give people to grow? How many of you have, if you think back, I'm going to invite you to think back in your mind to the worst mistake that you've made, right? Does everybody have a mistake you can think of, right? Now, do you want to be defined by that mistake? Anybody? But how many times do we define people by the mistakes that they've made in their lives? And do we hold them to that? without seeing the potential and the possibility that they can be in truth. We define everything about our relationship with them based on the mistakes that they've made in the past. I'm sure that there are people from my past spiritual community that would say, you know that Joanne, she is a terrible leader. Because I made mistakes in that community. Now thank God I didn't get defined by that. Or I wouldn't be standing up here with all of you today. We all make mistakes. The question is, can we learn from those mistakes? Can we grow from those mistakes? Can we not define each other by those mistakes? 
I would not want to be defined by the screaming Mimi Mama that I was back 20 years ago. That's not who I am anymore. I would not want to be defined by that 18-year-old who had an affair. I would not want to be defined by that because that's not who I am today. So who do we hold to their falsehood, to their error, to the mistakes, rather than giving them the space to grow? Knowing that we all make mistakes and we are all growing and learning. And that's what life is about. So this week I was really aware of this one. How safe is it to walk through the corridors of my mind? I can't even tell you. Anybody in here want to have a loudspeaker hooked up to your brain? I mean, if you guys could hear the loudspeaker of my brain, you'd probably tell me to get off the stage. I heard a lot of judgment this week. A lot of judgment. How safe is it for people to walk through the corridors of my mind? Now, the thing is that I know, that I'm aware of, is that, remember a couple of weeks ago I said, 93 to 95% of our actions come from the subconscious, right? So what I know for sure is that my brain thinks, and it throws up these thoughts. And a lot of it is coming from my subconscious. The question is, do I act on those thoughts? Or do I catch them, and do I change my mind about those judgments that come up? There's one of the universities has out online a quiz that you can do to check your biases. I recently did one on race. Check your biases on race. Now, I'm going to stand up here and say that I believe that I am a pretty enlightened being in regards to race. I'd like to say that I don't even change my attitudes around race, around color. But then I took this little quiz that showed your biases, and what it revealed, to my surprise, was that I actually do have a bias around race, that I do have some judgments that I carry with me, and I could condemn myself for that, or I could simply realize that, you know, some of that is the conditioning from the society in which I've grown up. 93 to 95% of the thoughts and actions that I take are from that subconscious level. But I also know how important it is to become aware of those things so that I can make different choices, so that each one that goes through the thought in my mind is offered safe passage, even if when I first recognize it, it's not so safe. Do you and I give people safe passage through our minds? How about do we have the full picture? Again, brain science has revealed to us that our brain fills in the blanks. It doesn't like mystery. It likes to know the answer. And so it fills in the blanks. It fills in the story. Somebody hurts your feelings, your brain will begin to make up a story about why they did that. And it usually will put them in the worst light, right? So we create these stories in our relationships with one another. Anybody familiar with the work of Byron Katie? Right? So she does this work of asking the question of, is this true? Do I know that it's true? Do I really know that it's true? 
And if I was willing to give up this belief that I think is true, then what would this feel like? And it's allowing ourselves to move out of the place of the stories that we create around our relationships with other people and with ourselves. Most of the time, we don't have the full picture. Most of the time, we don't know the hurt that's coming from within someone as they're reacting and pushing against us in anger. So can I just take a step back and recognize, you know what, I don't have the full picture here. How do we show up when we get a no? What do you do when somebody shows up and acts different than you'd like them to act? They say no to the idea that you hold about them. What do we do as a spiritual community right now? We are in the process, the nominating team is in the process of finding uh, people to run for the board, right? And some of those people we get a no from. Some of those people we get a yes from. What do we think when we get the no? Right? Do we want to strong arm them? Come on, run for the board. And where in that is there space for spirit to move through, to inspire, to say yes or no? Right? So where are you with that? Do you allow people to turn you down, to say no to the ideas that you hold for them? All of these questions are inviting us into looking more deeply at the relationships that we have. And as we allow our relationships to deepen, not to stay on the surface, howsoever, but to really go deeper, what matters to you? What motivates you? What inspires you? What brings you joy? What brings you peace? What moves you to action? As we deepen our relationships with one another, strengthen our relationships with one another, we begin to create a world that works for all beings. Which, remember, doesn't mean we have to like everybody, and it doesn't mean we have to agree with everybody. So are you willing to explore a question this week that will deepen your relationships? Yeah? So in your bulletin this week are two cards. I got, by the way, do I have the full picture? So I'm going to be focusing on that one this week. In your bulletin is the right and perfect question for you. And if you are willing to explore that question, to hold that question in your mind this week, knowing that you may not have the answer, I'm going to invite you to sign that card. If you need a pen, raise your hand. We've got Mel and Dr. Carl ready to go pass those pens out. And one of those cards you're going to place in the offering basket, right? And then next week you'll see it displayed up on our board there on the back table. And the other one you are going to take and you're going to place somewhere where you're going to remember to think about this question this week. What I don't want to happen is for people to come back next Sunday and go, oh, I forgot to think about that. Right? Put it on your refrigerator. Tape it to your coffee maker. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Rubber band it to your phone. Whatever you need to do so that it is there and you can contemplate it throughout the week. Are you willing to do so? Excellent. So I wanted to share with you our um, 
color this week is blue, if you haven't figured that out yet. And it's for imagination. Because we are constantly using our power of imagination. We are either using our power of imagination to see the good and the possibility, or we're using the power of imagination to see the worst and the problems. And I want to invite us into the possibility of the relationships in our lives. And so one of the ways that we do that with Sharif Abdullah's work, Practicing Inclusivity, is to take the time to imagine for ourselves and for all others a world that's working for all. And we do so with a very simple prayer of may I be well, may I be secure, may I be happy. So using that power of imagination Can you see this affirmation for yourself? Can you repeat after me? May I be well. May I be secure. May I be happy. So we begin with self. And then we turn to another. Look around. Find somebody here in this community and look at them. Really look at them. And as you're looking at them, repeat again. May you be well. May you be secure. May you be happy. And then as we do that, then we allow all beings. May all beings be well. May all beings be secure. May all beings be happy. And now we go forth and we take action that is in alignment with what we see in our mind's eye so that together we can create a world that works for all beings. Thank you for joining me on that. Be blessed.